Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Top Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Beef. We had a wonderful week eight. Welcome back, Big Ten Backers. Time to break out those big ass dump trucks. We had the backers big one, the Midwest Corn Fest game of the week, and it did not disappoint. Number seven, Penn State played in Columbus to take on the number three Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Buckeyes win 20 to 12. Marv, the Martian, and his wet bandit. You did it again. What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. Hey, man, I like the Maserati nickname, man. I like that better. He is the engine to this offense. If he's not going, this engine is stalled, baby. Marv the Maserati. Maserati Marv. Maserati Marv. Marv the Martian, however you want to call him. That dude put on a clinic and they get it done in the shoe thanks to him. The Silver Bullets put down the Nittany Lions for good. They were electric, holding Penn State to 1-16 on third down and only allowing 1.9 per rush, 4.5 per pass. This was complete domination by Jim Knowles and his loaded Silver Bullet defense. Hey, AJ, let me talk about that defense. Man, they were coming at Drew Aller like it was a facial compilation. The defense had four sacks, six tackles for a loss, more pressures than I've seen all year. I credit most of that to Penn State's lack of big playability. The defense for Ohio State could just pin their ears back and go without worries of those 30 to 40 yard chunk plays. And that's really what they were trying to prevent this whole year was not giving up those big plays like they did last year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Buckeyes, man, they picked up their second big one of the year and have the best resume thus far in college football. Ryan Day and his offense did struggle again, but still, they did enough to get the win. Marvin Farmer Gronk caged over, made the majority of the plays on offense. Still can't say enough about this silver bullet performance, getting those five five sacks and completely shutting down Penn State. Shut them down. This defense is looking legit. Drew Aller didn't play well and could not connect on the deep ball whatsoever. And seemed like James Franklin didn't trust him to do anything. I don't know where Penn State goes from here, and I don't think they get past being the third best team in the big. Diaz did his job, but was held short under the offense of Mike Yurich. Franklin isn't overrated. Not at all. He is just the third best coach in the Big Ten, and that's just the way it is. Beef, this silver bullet can kill a Nittany Lion. Can it put down a Wolverine? Hey, man, I don't know. That lion's wearing a scarf, so it's more cute than scary, so probably can't take out the Wolverine. I just I still can't wrap my head around this, man. And I question a lot of Penn State fans after the game asking about this fourth down call because there were seven minutes and 17 seconds left on the clicker. Man, talk about finishing too soon. There were possibly two possessions left and they were on their side of the 50. It's not like Ohio State's offense was like on fire and they couldn't be stopped. It wasn't like the offense of last year where you just had to take chances just to get ahead in the game. It was a fucking touchdown game. 13 to 6. I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this. Tell me your feelings on this fourth down call. 
to me, if you're going to win the game and you want to get an upset in Columbus and you want to look like the second best team, you got to have some fucking balls. I mean, he went for it on fourth down on their side of the field. I mean, I guess you could call that balls, but I thought it was just dumb. I mean, yeah, if you're in the right position, if you're on the 20, 30 yard line going in, sure, go for it. You don't set up someone at the very end of the game with seven minutes left to take the go at score to close out the game. Doesn't make sense to me. We got to talk more about this Ohio State team, man. Like you said, Stover. Before we get on that, let me say one more little thing about James Franklin. We got to get in more on this Ohio State team. Maybe this is just who they are and this team just knows how to win and they're pretty much a grinder team. Defense is stout. Like you said, silver bullets are back. They're not letting anything pass them. But this offense is actually, it's weirdly successful. They just seem stunned in the first half of every single game and all of a sudden they just turn the lights on and go. I mean, if they could put together a full game on offense and get the ball to highlight more in the passing game and just let the run come after the pass, ooh buddy, get the ball to Marv. They did a great job with that, but they got to highlight that second receiver in Cade Stover. He's the secondary guy, man. That catch he made over the middle, jumping over the dude, that's not a tight end catch. That's a wide receiver catch, man. That it was, Beef. I mean, he played amazing. He's been playing pretty lights out this year for a tight end and being their number two option threat to the air. But let's talk about this next game. Let's talk about number 17, Tennessee, playing number 11, Alabama. Bama rolls the Volunteers like a blunt, winning 34-20. to The Volunteers started off dominant in the first half, holding a 20-7 to lead at the half, but that would not hold together as the tide rolled in the second half. Bama went off on the chest of the Volunteers, scoring 27 unanswered points. Bama is looking better every week and actually look a lot like Ohio State. They're a defensive team first, and they are holding it down until Milrow and that offense can grow. That defense did give up 404 yards, but held up well after the half, adjusting and getting stiff in the red zone. B, Bama has an offensive juggernaut coming in next week. Does this defense slow down LSU like they did Tennessee? I think that LSU game will be about matchups. And some teams just don't match up well with others. But I'll save that for our show later this week when we talk about that matchup. Let's talk about what Bama's doing now after that win. Bama's coming into their own. I would not be surprised to see Milrow continue to develop and lead them just in time into the playoffs. Coming back from behind against a rival team like that says a lot about what they got. And then one loss to a good team at the very beginning of the year certainly doesn't hold Bama back for the season. They're coming on strong. But the weird thing about it it is Tennessee actually had a little bit better stat line than Alabama did. Joe Milton, the former Michigan quarterback, had more yards and no interceptions than Milrow. It's just that jihad, jihad of all times to say jihad, right when Hamas and Hezbollah are attacking Israel. Jihad Campbell. La, 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 la. Boom. <laughs> Durka, Durka, Muhammad Jihad. Silence, I kill you. Silence, I kill you. All right. Jihad Campbell, that fumble recovery. Return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter just killed the Vols' hope. I mean, it was awesome. Got to give Alabama credit. They played a great second half, man. They definitely played out in the second half. You're right. This defense is holding together till Milrow and that offense kind of figure it out. Everybody better watch out for Bama down the stretch. Well, let's talk about number 16, Duke. They played down in Tallahassee against Florida State. Florida State downs Duke late, winning 38-20. to Florida State continues its ACC dominance, taking down the Duke Devils. Jordan Travis was great on the ground and great through the air. Duke 
Duke played the Seminoles close, but the D went limp in the fourth, allowing 21 points in the final quarter. Duke was able to gash the Florida State defense, getting 197 on the ground at 5.6 per carry. But Seminoles defense controlled Duke's passing game, only giving up 76 total yards at 3.5 per pass, sending the Duke Devils back to Durham with their second loss of the season and their first in conference. Yeah, man, that's tough. Taking Riley Leonard out of the game, out of that offense, just took the wind out of the sails, bro. They just aren't the same. And and you saw them on the sidelines in that fourth quarter begging to get back in. Begging. But I give Mike Elko credit, man. He obviously cares about the kids on his team. He wouldn't let them back in. It would have been interesting to see how Florida State would have struggled had he been healthy. But they survive and move on. And we called Florida State from the very beginning of the year that they'd be here right now. They still are. Still undefeated. Leading. The ACC, man, leading it. They got control, baby. We had another big ass dump truck. This was another great game. Another classic. Boy, I enjoyed this one, Beef. Number 14, Utah at number 18, Southern Cal, and they get it done. Kayla Williams and USC took its second consecutive loss thanks to their small and pathetic Grinch ass looking D. Utah, though, you have to give them props. Boy, they can play some D. And they have owned Caleb and USC, ruining their dreams every year. Ute said, keep on dreaming. Southern Cal. Maybe next year. Beach. Loving asses. But Zachariah Branch, he looked to seal the deal and get USC that win with that electric punt return that led to Caleb with the go-ahead rushing TD. But man, you left too much clock on the table for your defense to choke. Grinch has got to go. B, we said Grinch would steal USC's Christmas and stop them from getting a chance to play in the playoffs. And boy, here we are. I mean, let's start here. You got to give credit to the pig farmer from Utah coming from a town of 1,400 people. That obviously smells like pig shit. This quarterback is tough. He had 235 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 57 yards on the ground, and a touchdown on the ground as well. Man, as a backup quarterback for Utah, Bryson Barnes, you got to have to remember that name, man. He came in strong, and when they needed him the most, he was there. So you're telling me he's a pig farmer and his last name's Barnes? That goes together well. (laughs) Yes, sir. It was done on purpose. And speaking about yardage, the Grinch does not like stopping opponents from gaining it. Man, going back to his days at Washington State, best defense he had, got them from 99th total defense in 2014 to 16 in 2017. He was hired in 2015, got him to 16th in 2017. Then High State picked up on him. He was there for one year, and that year they ended up 52nd in the nation in opponent's points per game. All right. Then he ends up in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma in 2019, they showed a little bit of progress, improving from 101st the year before to 64th in points per game. Momentum was built a little bit in 2020 and they were 29th in the nation. But Grinch ended his tenure in 2021 on a decline with Oklahoma Sooners and they were 60th in the nation. Now enter his time at USC. Things are just getting worse, man. That first year, 2021, they went from 99th in the nation to 65th. All right. Sounds good on the right trajectory. But this year, they're 98th in the country, allowing 30 points per game. What's that like an average of somewhere around 70, you know, maybe 60, between 60 and 70 at the best? That's less than average, man. That's subpar. The boy's got to go. He does got to go, man. He's been subpar most of his career. He had one good year and everybody kind of bought into it. (laughs) 
But let's talk about Barnes, man. Barnes on that final drive. Oh, yeah. Would not be denied, man. He got that 20-something yard run, put them in field goal position to win the game, take down USC, take down Kayla Williams, and take down Alex Grinch. Four straight wins against USC for Utah. Who would have thought that when they moved on from the Mountain West? Boy, that game was fun to watch. But Beef, we're the Big Ten backers. We talked about one Big Ten game. Let's get into the rest of those Big Ten matchups. Let's get it on. Beef, it's time for that Big Ten roundup. We got that big on big action. Number two, Michigan played at Michigan State. Michigan dominated the Spartans 49 to nothing. Wolverines went down the street out of mama's sight and beat down their little brother in East Lansing. Scoring 14 in every quarter but the fourth. And that's when the backups came in. Michigan is looking like the most dominant team in college football. But there are some storms of brewing. Pete Thamel reporting a staffer named Connor Stallions purchased tickets to 30 Big Ten schools over the last three years. Supposedly there's some video evidence. Sideline taping is being sent to the NCAA. Caught by stadium surveillance. Despite that, though, Michigan is a threat to all of the Big Ten and college football this year, holding the highest percentage of winning it all this year. Beef, JJ played absolutely outstanding against Little Brother, getting 10.2 per pass. Break down that one for the backers. Hey, man, we got to start going back to Connor Stallion. I heard he's the great grandson of one of the wind talkers from World War II, so it's in his blood to no languages and decipher code. Man, if all this is true, in about nine years, we'll find out what happens once the NCA decides to process all the information that they have. So in about 2032, Michigan will be stripped of everything they did this year. You know, I mean, it took them about nine years to process the transfer, the receiver at UNC. It'll take them nine years to do this too. If in fact there is the stuff that they say there is. But those Wolverines, man, dominant just dominant all season long it is against broke ass teams but the fact still remains no games where they took their foot off the gas pedal they seem hungry i just want to see them against the big boys i want to see that hunger i want to see that drive i want to see that domination against some competition that's all i ask now do i think that they will do it once they get into that competition yes of course i picked them at the beginning of the year to win the national title it hurts it hurts deep in my loins but i did it so can't wait for that competition. It's coming around the corner. Every week we get just a little bit closer to seeing some big games in the Big Ten. We're going to be there in Happy Valley. We're making our plans now. Man, I, I just keep wanting to jump ahead to that. I can't get away from it. Anyway, let's move on. What are the other games you got in store for us? We had Rutgers at Indiana. Rutgers bowls a strike winning 31-14. to Rutgers is going bowling, baby. Getting that six win they needed. Rutgers is fucking bowling, son. Rutgers D shut down Indiana in the second half. They bloodied Indiana's D getting 276 total yards on the ground. Man, that had to be demoralizing for Indiana. Indiana was two for 11 on third down. There's not a lot to say about Tom Allen and his horrible two-win Hoosiers. Beave, can Rutgers continue its bowling success? Yeah, Rutgers scoring 31 points against Indiana is actually kind of impressive. That defense at Indiana is pretty, pretty stout. They've hold a, held a lot of people in check a little bit other than Michigan, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to keep it going. I mean, they're definitely going bowling, but I could see them losing four straight games. Now, only two of the next four are ones that are winnable. 
really that Iowa and Maryland games are toss-ups at best. So most likely they're going to be one and three in the next four games. You know, they're playing Ohio State and they're playing Penn State. Ohio State and Penn State, those are losses almost definitely. But then Maryland and Iowa, do you see them winning either of those games? If Minnesota can be Iowa, Rutgers can be Iowa. Touche. Where I got them headed, the Pinstripe Bowl, most likely. Not even leaving their area, staying in New York. Speaking of Minnesota and Iowa, that's the next one on the list, right? Yes, sir. Minnesota played in Iowa City against number 24, Iowa. Minnesota shocks the Hawkeyes winning in Big Ten West fashion, 12-10. to 10. How hard is it to watch a game like this? 22 total points. Minnesota wins scoring just four field goals. Man, that's sad. Way to go, Big Ten West. Gophers D, though, I will give them credit. Holding Iowa to 0.4 yards per carry, beef. 0.4 yards per carry. Good fucking God, that's a stunning stat. Iowa lost in dramatic fashion, getting a punt return touchdown called back in the final seconds on a questionable fair catch call that didn't go their way and honestly looked like a bad call to me. I think Iowa got a little little fucked by those zebras. B, when you can only muster 10 points and have Brian as your OC, well, guess what? The zebras are going to fuck you because you fuck yourself too. Hey, man. You can't afford to get fucked by the Zebras when you're under Brian Ferentz. They're averaging 19.5 points per game. They have Northwestern, they have Rutgers, they have Illinois, and they have Nebraska. Now, none of that sounds too damn terrible, but they need 31 points next week to get back on track to the 25 points a game. They are missing their quarterback and both tight ends, which was their entire offense. And, and as far as the fair catch goes, arm really needs to be over your head for it to be considered a fair catch. The officials just came up with some bullshit. They were like, if you give them some lean way, then everyone's going to be trying to trick the defenses constantly. So we have to call it. It's not the rule. It has to be over your head to be considered a fair catch. So it was a bogus call. To me, it was a bogus call. I would be pissed. I don't know why the guy was creating that circular motion with his arm, though. It was a little weird and it didn't need to be done. His other arm wasn't doing that. He blamed it on running, but his other arm was sticking out, wasn't going in a circular motion, which is just odd anyway. To me, it looked like a bad punt, and he was trying to wave people away from the ball, and that's kind of how I took it, but definitely wasn't above his head. Nebraska, with this loss, has a chance at winning the Big Ten title. There's a chance. They still have some tough games, but there's definitely a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Speaking of that bullshit, let's move to the Dairy State and talk about Wisconsin at Illinois. Whiskey in an epic comeback win in the fourth, winning 25 to 21. Whiskey was not ready going down 21 to 7 until the fourth quarter. Then the whiskey hit them boys and they came alive and get Wisconsin revenge against their former coach. Badgers score 18 unanswered points and grabbing the go-ahead winning TD with only 27 seconds left in the game while averaging 5.9 per carry. Brett Billima and his bellies were dominant through three quarters, but just like his fat ass got winded on his fourth flight of stairs, he just couldn't make it. Beef. Wisconsin is now in control of their own destiny to win the West, but Ohio State is coming to town next. Hey, great win for the Badgers. It makes this game in Camp Randall next week a lot more fun, and we're going to be there to see it. Can't wait to jump around. Braden Locke, 240 yards and two touchdowns. Not bad, but with only a 50% completion percentage, he could use some work. But good for Wisconsin, man, to come out there with a win. 
after losing Mordecai, 18 points, like you said, unanswered, but all of them in the fourth quarter with a freshman quarterback. Man, it's looking good for the future. Brett Bellema, man, he was looking like the man for the job in Illinois. What happened? I mean, he just got weighted down or something. I don't know what it was. Distracted by donuts. Now he's questionable at best. Yeah, definitely a disappointing second year. Hopefully he can get him back on track. Got to give it to Whiskey. That's got to be a lot of confidence for their backup quarterback throwing a winning touchdown with 27 seconds left. But let's move on. We had Northwestern at Nebraska. Cornhuskers run the Wildcats out of town, winning 17-9. to Nebraska gets a much-needed win against Northwestern, getting one more win closer to bowl eligible in Matt Roll's first year. The black shirt defense held Northwestern to three field goals and holding them to 2.1 per rushing attempt. QB Harburg and running back Johnson gets it done on the ground for the Huskers, getting a team average of 4.2 yards per carry with 163 total yards on the ground. B, will Nebraska get to go bowling this year? Heinrich Harburg. Yeah, man, that guy. He's doing it in the air, on the ground. Will they go bowling? I think they will. Their next two games, they got Purdue and they got Michigan State. Very winnable games. After that, it starts getting a little tough. Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. But I think they can do it. I mean, anything is possible. But they need two wins. So they need this Purdue. They need the Michigan State. And they're going bowling. Those are winnable games. Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Do I think they will? Probably not. But I think they'll get to their six wins. Like I said, though, they have a shot at the West title now. I mean, if they just got hot, could you imagine that? The years they've had, how they started this year, that would be huge for Rule and huge for Husky Nation. They would pack Indianapolis and watch them get a beat down by one of the many of the contenders in the Big Ten East. That would be epic beef, but I don't see it happening. But hey, I wish them luck. I love the Huskers. I love their fans. I wish them the best. Me too. Me too. Husker fans are awesome. But you know what time it is, Beef? I think I know where you're going with this one. You know, it's been a few days since I got the trimmer out, but it's time to get it out and trim that landscape. Boy, I'm looking like a Buckeye nut and James Franklin's head. Got two ball balls <laughs> over here. First hair I had to clean off the trimmer. Washington State at number 14, Oregon. Ducks dominate the Cougs. 38-24. to Ducks show up with no hangover after their first loss last week, getting 541 total yards on offense in this one. Oregon's D gave up 438 yards, but got rough with the Cougars on third down. They ran all over the Cougars, getting 7.8 yards per carry on the ground. Dan Lanning and his Ducks bounce back with ease, in my opinion. They'll get another shot at those Huskies. Beef. Cam Ward played great, but the Cougs get their third loss. Talk to me about these teams. Hey, we just need to know if Dan Lanning went for it on fourth down like 95 times. I mean, Oregon's a damn good team, dude. We all know it. Losing to Washington didn't make them bad or even close to being out of contention for the playoff. Certainly beating Washington State didn't hurt their chances either. The Cougs were a good story at the beginning of the season. It really could have turned into something if they had kept winning and kept showing out. But now that book's closed for the Cougs. Three losses, not much more to say about them. But Oregon, Oregon still got their chance. They got the fight in them and they got some hard games coming up. I like Oregon to to stay in this and and win out the rest of the season. What do you think? All right, there with you, Beeb. I think Oregon and Washington play it out. The Pac-12 
conference game. Oh man, that would be sweet. Let's move on down to SEC country. We had Auburn at number 13, Ole Miss. Rebels get the W, 28-21. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin stay alive. That run at the SEC title, and more. They pretty much controlled this game, but didn't dominate Auburn. Jackson Dart is the reason they put the Tigers away. He put up a lot of yards when it mattered. Quinson Junkins helped Ole Miss get 223 yards on the ground. Auburn put up a good fight, much like they have all year, but fell short again in this one. They did an outstanding job on defense, holding Ole Miss to 2-11 on third down, but their offense through the air needs major help. They may be good enough to upset a team this season, but that wasn't today. Beav, what's your thoughts on this one? Hey, Ole Miss is still hanging in there, man. They're still hot. Jackson Dart is a good quarterback for Lane Kiffin. Three touchdowns and nearly 250 total yards. I don't, I mean, they're just, it's going to be hard for, for Bama to drop two games and get Ole Miss back in contention for the SEC. But man, I'd love to see that 12-team playoff and have Ole Miss be one of those teams now. Traveling up north and playing against the Buckeyes in the snow. That would be awesome. But that Jordan Hare, man, that stadium was always rocking. It looks like a tough place to play. There's eagles flying all over the place, even though they're the Tigers. Still confused. I know you're confused. But hey, eagles and Tigers, it's all good. Difficult to p- place to play. So I hear that's a place we need to visit. We need to get to some stadiums in the South someday. You know, hopefully we can grow this podcast and we become the college football backers. And we can go anywhere and everywhere. Yes, sir. Let's move on down to Miami. Clemson came to town, but Miami put down Dabo's Tigers in overtime 28-20. to Miami and Cristobal gets a much-needed win after dropping its last two. Their O-line played great, grinding out a multi-running back effort, getting 5.6 yards per carry. Miami gets their first conference win, and boy, they needed it. And they had to get up late in the fourth quarter. They get those 10 unanswered points in the fourth. Then they get it done in overtime. Dabo and Clemson are now 4-3 and three overall. 2-3 and three in conference. Dabo and his cousins are really. I don't know how they bounce back from this mound they built in front of them. This mound of shit they put down. They have lost control of their dominance of the ACC. That play that he called, the option read, that was their survival mode play to pick in overtime. That was an appalling play called by Dabo. I mean, that was just terrible. Beef, where do these two teams go from here? Well, hey, Dabo blamed that on his own player. Blamed it on Club Nick. Said he pulled it, wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be a handoff. He threw his guy under the bus, you know, like a like a coach should do. Just like he did with DJ. Yep. I mean, it's happened before. It'll probably happen again. This is this is a trend for Clemson now. They're down. It's a typical two to three loss season for them. Same thing happened last year. I think Dabo and Clemson they're on a downward spiral and they're gonna they're gonna stay middle of the road ACC now, or at least, you know, top half. You get what I'm saying. As for Miami, they're still in a rebuild of sorts. So this was a great season for them. They're doing well. A couple of losses is okay for them right at this point. But they just need to show out the rest of the year and win out and, and continue with that momentum. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's a good thing this game went into overtime because he didn't have to take a knee. <laughs> you know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! Let's talk about those upsets. 
And those upset survivors. Virginia at number 10, North Carolina. The 1-5 Cavaliers shock North Carolina winning 31-27 in the biggest upset of the year. Mac Brown choked this time at the hands of Virginia. North Carolina gave up 436 total yards in this ugly loss where they just got outplayed. North Carolina even won the turnover battle and still lost. Crazy. Just wow. Mac Brown. Huge upset. No one was expecting this. Not even Tony Elliott, their head coach for Virginia. He made it sound like in his post-game interview on the field, oh, we knew this was going to happen. It was bound to happen. We were practicing tough. Everyone on his team believes. Bullshit, man. No one believed. You just got caught in the moment. And then, you know, once you start beating the bully, start kicking the bully while he's down, the bully turns into the bullied. And that's what happened. Well, North Carolina, not a top 10 team anymore. It was a good story. Drake May, great quarterback. We'll see you in the NFL, man, because college, it's done. With a name like North Carolina, you're not getting anywhere with one loss. Yeah, it's cooked beef. It's a damn shame. We had Arizona State at number five, Washington. Washington survives 15 to seven despite four turnovers and their hangover performance after a big win against the Ducks. They get the win. Is this just a hiccup, or does this show a disaster pending for UW down the road? It's weird. The Phoenix was down. He was limp. Winning anytime you're giving your balls away like that four times, you know the joke. The Phoenix was giving balls away like he was Dylan Mulvaney. Still, I'm impressed. They won the game with four turnovers. You saw what happened with USC and other teams when they get three to four turnovers a game. It's hard to win. I mean, you're giving away half of your possessions almost. Great job winning the game. Relying on the defense to do it. Washington's a team of destiny, man. You got to watch out for them. I can't wait to see what happens. One bad game a year is bound to happen for any good team. They got through it. They won the game. The W is all that matters. Turn that into a learning moment and get on for the next one. Speaking about the, ne- speaking about the next one, Beef, go ahead and talk about that one. Texas at Houston. Texas survives the scare. Tied in the fourth quarter, 24-24, to but win it 31-24 as Houston failed to score on their final drive. Bullshit spot by the refs. They need to have GPS trackers in the balls now. It was just off. Did you see that spot at the end of the game? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like that was that was right up there with that Iowa call. Pretty that shit was bad. It was I mean it looked on purpose. It really did. It was like, how else can you explain that? But now with Texas, Ewers is out for at least a couple weeks with a grade two AC sprain. I've had that before, man. It sucks. I was in a sling for, man, I think three or four weeks. Do you think Archie Manning's going to get some time now? That would be fun to see. I don't think he does, but it's possible. It'd be nice to see him get some reps, though, just to see. Just something to talk about, man. It would be sweet. He's definitely getting paid enough in NIL to do that. It's not happening. But let's talk about UCF. They were at number six, Oklahoma. Sooners, much like Texas, survived after going down 23-17 to 17 in the third quarter. But they rallied in the fourth. But the Knights was only a two-point conversion away from taking this to overtime. Oklahoma, Texas, Man, you guys got to be better than this. This is uncalled for. You got to do better, man. It was just a down week, man. All teams were playing down. I don't know what it was. It was definitely some scary games, but hey, it makes it fun for us taking these games and enjoy these upsets. Boy, I was rooting on the Knights just because I wanted to see an upset. But show. Let's get into those AJ and Beave best quickies. 
Number 22, Air Force. At Navy, Air Force remains undefeated, winning 17-6 and getting a huge win. Potentially grab the Commanders-in-Chief trophy. The big one, Army at LSU. LSU dominates, just as they should, 62 to none. South Carolina at number 20, Missouri. The Tigers choke the Cox 34-12 and are still in play to win the SEC East. Number 25, UCLA at Stanford. As you would expect, UCLA dominates 42 to 7. Oklahoma State played at West Virginia. They get it done 48 to 34. Oklahoma State is starting to look good. Get us on out of here, B. Thanks for coming, Big Ten backers. Keep following us on Instagram. Keep following us on Facebook. Following us on TikTok. Follow us on the X, man. Until then, we'll be seeing you. God bless. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also visit the website NILFanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. Yeah.